the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. One way to approach the lessons each week is to try to figure out how the two can be connected. We have an epistle today about spiritual gifts and a gospel about judgment. Is there some way the two can be brought together to form a unified point? First, the gospel. There was an ancient heresy called Marcionism. That's Marcion with a C, not Martian with a T. Marcion taught that the Old Testament God was different from the New Testament God. The general sense was that the Old Testament God was all about judgment, whereas New Testament God was all about love. The heresy of Marcion is still popular in many places today. The distinction between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament has always been greatly over-exaggerated beyond the biblical evidence. There is plenty of love and grace in the Old Testament, as when God says through Jeremiah, quote, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And there is plenty of judgment in the New Testament, as when Jesus tells the scribes and Pharisees, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? Many people miss the overarching theme of judgment in the New Testament because they are unaware that the New Testament era ended with judgment upon God's people Israel just like the Old Testament era ended with judgment upon God's people. Jesus refers to this act of judgment in the gospel today <clears throat> when he says, quote, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. The enemy that would surround Jerusalem and level the city to the ground was the Romans. In the year AD 70, the Roman legions invaded Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and killed most of the people in the city. The historian Josephus tells us that over a million people were killed in this war. Jesus said that this would happen because Jerusalem did not know the things that bring genuine peace. Jerusalem did not accept him as son of God and Messiah. Jerusalem did not know the time of her visitation. When we understand what happened in the year AD 70, we understand that there is an exact parallel between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament came to a climactic and catastrophic conclusion when the Babylonian army invaded Jerusalem in the year 586 BC and also destroyed the temple and carried many Israelites into exile. 
The Old Testament prophets, most particularly Jeremiah and Ezekiel, tell us that this happened because Israel was unfaithful and did not repent at the preaching of the prophets. We have a lesson from Jeremiah among our morning prayer lessons this morning along this line. Jesus came to Israel as a prophet, calling the nation to repent, as in the Old Testament. When the nation did not, there was a similar and parallel catastrophic judgment. Jesus wept over the city as he prophesied this catastrophe. He did not want it to happen, but it was the natural consequence of his people rejecting him and seeking salvation on their own terms. To reject the salvation God brings is to choose instead the natural consequence for sins. Jesus came to save Israel from judgment, from the natural consequence of her rebellion against God. When God's people reject God's salvation, there is only one other alternative. How does this connect with what the epistle has to say about spiritual gifts? In baptism, God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. When the bishop lays his hands on us in confirmation, he prays that we will be filled with the gifts of the Spirit. Our epistle today tells us that each of us has been given some manifestation of the Spirit, some spiritual gift or gifts to be used for the greater good of the body of Christ. Our gifts are part of our vocation and calling. God the ultimate giver gives us his own spirit. We are called to give to others the grace that we ourselves have received. The secret to fulfilling our calling and also being fulfilled ourselves is to realize that we were made to give. We were made to give ourselves our souls, and our bodies to God in worship. And we were made to give ourselves to each other through our mutual use of gifts. Human misery, what we can call either the natural consequence of sin or God's judgment on sin, results in our lives when we live selfishly, when we do not live for the glory of God and the good of our neighbor. The world hinders our use of gifts because it teaches us that life is a zero-sum game. The world teaches us that one person's gain is another person's loss. Therefore, if I give something to you, you gain what I've given and I lose what I have given. This is the devil's math. Jesus teaches us the math of the kingdom in Luke 6.38. Quote, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured 
back to you. A pattern can be observed in discontented people. God freely gives them gifts, and they take those gifts and claim them as their own. God gives them abilities and influence and puts them in a position to do good for people. And and instead, they use and manipulate people only to fulfill their own desires. God gives them money and possessions, and rather than tithing and being generous, they become concerned only about protecting and increasing their own wealth. As selfishness and hoarding increase, they become more discontented. Is such discontentment God's judgment or is the natural consequence of sin or are both the same thing? Jesus told the parable of the talents to illustrate the appropriate use of the gifts we have been given. A talent is a measure of money Jesus said, quote, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and distributed his goods to them, each according to his ability. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And immediately he went on his journey. The parable tells us that the servants who received five talents and two talents, went and traded with them and essentially doubled the money that had been entrusted to them. However, the servant who had only received one talent, because he was afraid of his Lord, went and buried the talent in the ground and did not use it. The parable tells us, quote, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them, The servants who had received five and two talents came to the Lord and told them about their gain. And the Lord said to each of them, quote, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you Lord over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The parable tells us that when the servant with the one talent reported that he had buried his talent because he was afraid of the Lord, the Lord said to him, quote, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at least it would have received my money back then with interest. The Lord took the talent away from the man with one and gave it to the man with ten, saying, quote, To everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. What the faithful servants had that the unfaithful servant didn't have was faith. If we have faith to use and exercise our gifts, we get more. And if we are faithless, we get even that taken away. 
Then the kind and loving New Testament Jesus has the Lord of the parable conclude by saying, quote, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The talents in the parable represent the gifts given to us by God. Jesus told the parable of the talents at the end of Matthew's gospel to instruct the church. Jesus was about to ascend to heaven. He would send the Holy Spirit to the church and distribute to the church the wealth of God through the various gifts and endowments he would give to his body. We are called to freely and faithfully use and multiply the gifts we have been given. And we will be held accountable for our faithfulness. As Jesus said, quote, The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with all the angels, and he will reward each one according to his works. God continually gives us gifts. We come to the altar each week and receive again the bread of life and the medicine of immortality. Every time we ask, God gives to us. He forgives our sins and gives us new strength. He gives us wisdom and guidance for the challenges we face and providentially orders our lives. He gives us other people who help us with their gifts. He makes us heirs of his kingdom and fills us with hope. It is our vocation as the body of Christ to be faithful with all these gifts that God has given to us. God has given his son to die for us. We are called to respond by offering ourselves in worship, to worship in spirit and in truth. We have received grace. We are called to administer grace to other people. We have been forgiven. We are called to forgive. We have been given spiritual gifts. We are called to serve others with those gifts, to do all such good works as God has prepared for us to walk in. Do we know the things that make for peace? Do we know the time of our visitation? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.